In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Thanks, everyone, for joining another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest with us, John Fetterman, CEO of Journey. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time today. And I know our, our listeners are going to be in for a treat learning from uh, one of the experts in the space, if you will. You know, before we get started, uh, John, if you don't mind uh, walking us through a little bit about uh, Journey and uh, a little bit about yourself for the listeners to get to know you real quick. Sure. Journey, which stands... Uh, for the customer journey. Uh, journey is a scheduling platform for the enterprise. So we deliver appointments and events and queuing solutions for primarily large retailers and large financial services brands. I come to Journey with an experience of being in the in the driver's seat of five other SaaS e-commerce companies. Always intrigued and sort of fascinated by what makes buyers and sellers connect uh, how technology is, is an enabler and, and sometimes actually an impediment if not done right. And uh, very fascinated to learn more about brick and mortar and how it's being reborn from your perspective and, and also obviously describe it from our lens. That's awesome. Of course, we're big believers in kind of in-location experiences and, and just making sure that, to your point, technology is kind of used in the right way in a lot of these uh, you know, these locations uh, across you know, different industries, if you will. If you can walk us through a, maybe a typical customer engagement that you have or a customer that joins you, how do they use Journey and what kinds of ways can they use Journey? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to note, Bobby, that Journey is 12 years old. And while many may imagine that the pandemic acted as an instigator, if you will, for the requirement for appointment-based shopping, the reality is that appointment-based shopping had proven itself well before the pandemic. So for increasing customer loyalty, for creating an experience rather than just a transaction. And ultimately, the, the end result is basket size, at least as defined most recently through Forrester in a total economic impact study, increases anywhere from six to eight fold when there's an appointment versus a walk-in customer. So in a normal deployment for us is to work with a retailer of some scale. Our platform enables multiple locations, multiple geographies, multiple languages, multiple time zones. So to be able to integrate appointments into the fabric of how buyers meet sellers in a retail environment is what we're expert in and what kind of gets us fascinated and, and something we have a great passion for. That's awesome. And, and, and then the companies that use uh, your, your platform, what have they been able to, to achieve at a high level? You know, of course, all the things that you just said, customer loyalty goes up and all the components of uh, a better customer experience, but what have they been able to achieve? If you, if you can just pinpoint some of the few, you know, stats if you if, if you have them, I think most importantly is the proof statements on profitability. Profitability obviously is defined by basket size, as I just described. But think about profitability also in terms of using your associates in the best way possible. When those associates can spend their time with those that have the greatest likelihood to be sold, the ROI on their time 
goes up exponentially. So yes, it's absolutely to drive basket size, but it's also to drive efficiency. And as you describe customer loyalty and, you know, the all important experience, you know, I know that uh, as, as a fan of what brick and mortar reborn talks about, it really is about creating experiences. And in this time when perhaps the leading retailers may seem may see fewer physical locations, those physical locations that they have are being defined as flagship, meaning that there's a, an implicit relationship or a promise, if you will, between the retailer and the consumer that they're not going to be taken for granted, that they're going to make an experience more than a transaction be the central theme. And in that world, Journey and its offerings deliver a tremendous amount of value. Absolutely. As you've been, uh, John, kind of, uh, of course, the pandemic has, has, has created a new, I would say, a new, new consumer behavior that we're, we're starting to learn, learn about. And it's starting to, you know, both change the way some consumers think and at the same time, somehow how some retailers and brick and mortar operators interact with those customers. What changes have you noticed uh, during, I guess, the last 12 months? as far as uh, consumer behavior? Look, there, there's always a mix between need and want with a consumer. There's also now a layover, if you will, of personal safety. And what we've been describing in our conversations with leading retailers is that there's an opportunity to uh, express empathy, to do so in a way that adds value, not just a statement of, hey, we're a safe place to be, but here's what we're doing in terms of occupancy management. Here's what we're doing in terms of virtual queuing. Here's what we're doing in terms of our ability to do you know, curbside pickup. All of these things combine to create an experience that absolutely communicates a retailer's commitment to their customer. And, and implicit in that is not a one-time customer. They're looking to create relationships, the retailers are right now, and they're looking to underscore that relationship, again, with that view of empathy, but most importantly, with experiences that create value. And, you know, it, it's interesting, of course, as you talk about lo- uh, experiences and location, you know, that has a different meaning to, of course, different different folks in, in different industries. But why do you think in-location experiences matter? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, shopping at some level is a visceral emotional experience. The shoes may look fantastic online, but how do they feel? How are you going to walk? And moreover, it's what can be the opportunity to have that upsell and cross-sell that isn't algorithmic, but is driven by the experience in that moment in the physical world. And I'm a fan of both. And my, my perspective here is that consumers are largely a fan of both. And they'll self-select into what works best for their schedule, for their comfort level, and frankly, for how they view the very active retail. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. You know, of course, you've probably witnessed a bunch of experiences that you you like and enjoy. Uh, can, you give, can you give us a couple examples of ones that you like and enjoy and, and why you like them? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I had an experience in Manhattan probably about, well, just before the pandemic. And it was with a high-end retail chain in their New York flagship store, customer of ours. As a backdrop, I'm, I'm a dad who has uh, daughters, no sons. And I'm also a guy that hasn't traditionally loved shopping. And so 
if I'm in New York and there's something going on and there's going to be some shopping in this situation, the way it worked is uh, my wife was set up ahead of time. The platform has what's called a, a customer journey template. It asked questions about what she was looking for. In this case, it was an event. She wanted to go to a wedding. Uh, she knew the season. She described a little bit about what she was looking for. At the same time, uh, she mentioned that I would be with her and probably not a fan. And so while that was going on, I was immediately brought over to the in-store bar where <laughs> I was seated, at which point my wife went to the fitting room where there were already a whole bunch of stuff ready for her. And it was a fantastic experience all the way around. I didn't find myself as the, as the, uh, the guy joining the journey. I didn't find myself shopping. And my wife didn't feel me breathing down her neck saying, hurry up. So in that regard, she transacted really quickly. They recommended upsell and cross-sell items such as a handbag and, and shoes, which probably never would have happened in that same period of time. And I know my wife walked away feeling as though she had a very bespoke experience. And frankly, I'd sign up again as the guy to go with her. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really awesome. As, as you look at, you know, one of the questions that we get from a lot of kind of smaller companies is, you know, what advice would you give us? We don't have the same sort of resources as the larger entities, of course, right? To be able to streamline, scale, and improve that in-location experience. What are some advice that you can give to those smaller retailers? I think, surprisingly, the smaller retailers have all the advantage right now. And that is that the competitive, competitive advantage that a big retailer traditionally had was there were racks and racks of options in clothing. There were racks and racks of shoes. There were all kinds of things that you could only get by dint of your size. When, in fact, what our experience demonstrates right now is that consumers are looking to spend their time in a very focused way to get the best experience and be exposed to the best merchandise. And our view of that is by creating an experience, an appointment, a moment in time that both the consumer and the associate have put aside so they have only focus on each other. That's what right now even the biggest retailers are trying to accomplish. So are you able to do that as a small retailer? I think so. And the technologies are there to be able to support it that the front end, the experience for the consumer before setting up the appointment is identical. And frankly, having you know almost a narrow cast versus a broadcast is the goal of the largest of retailers. So I think it's all about how you posture. It makes sense. Makes sense. Learn from those larger retailers, but implementation, of course, is going to be a lot easier. To your point, and just managing managing that flow is going to be easier. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of you lightly brought up technologies. What what technologies do you think have emerged and and grown in terms of adoption over the past uh, few years? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I'm I'm going to start with with the role of appointments uh, because they have been almost a gateway for so many of the other technologies. So some of the virtual shopping. The first step is to make an appointment, but some of those virtual shopping experiences are phenomenal, where an associate can create a true in-store experience you know, online. I think some of the technologies in terms of modern point of sale have been fantastic in that they enable an associate to move along a sales process in a way that is much more natural and much more conducive to transacting. So you combine some of these technologies along with, as I think I already described, 
some of the curbside pickup uh, technologies. And what you see is that all of these things borrow from the best of physical. They don't try to replace them. They try to streamline them through technology. And, you know, in so doing, what they've done is given a consumer different front doors to walk into the retailer. And, you know, when we're asked, do we think all of these things will wane once the, you know, vaccines take effect and people feel more comfortable? And the reality is, I think the landscape is forever changed. Do I think it means that you won't see more foot traffic? I think, of course, you will. Does it mean, though, that an avid shopper will want to have every quote-unquote front door at their disposal? I think increasingly, and I think it'll be a competitive disadvantage to not have that be the case. And then from the retailer side, all of these technologies combine right now to be create a business continuity plan, if you will, that if there is another dynamic in which the world shuts down, and uh, as much as I, I don't want to be a naysayer, there are those that say it's inevitable. It's important that every business have a continuity plan, that we don't face down the uncertainty that we all did about a year ago, and that we know our businesses and our commerce can continue. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Totally agree. I think that that's one of the things, whether it's pandemic or otherwise, for these entities to be able to uh, think about what their continuity plans are. Like That makes a lot of sense. As you as you've been um, you kind of thinking about the future, is there technology that you think is going to have a big impact on on shaping the future of brick and mortar retail? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that this notion of a flagship store will become more and more central. I think the idea of stores within stores. I think the idea of creating an opportunity that isn't a single transaction moment in time. I think those things will accelerate. And I think that it's really good for the dynamic of retail and the dynamic of brick and mortar and the balance of brick and mortar with online. I'm not one, as I think you could probably surmise, I'm not one to be a zealot for one over the other. Instead, I think that this natural balance will increasingly emerge. It will become very much an expected. I think, uh, you know, as, as our listeners listen to this podcast, I think some of the questions that may come up here are, how does appointment-based shopping transform my customer experience? I think you've touched on this, of course. But any sort of advice of, of what this can do beyond, of course, you know, creating that experience and creating that, that customer loyalty that we talked about, what else do you think this is going to, uh, you know, a system like Journey will do for these types of retailers? Well, I think that it's a few things. One, retailers need to make their businesses more efficient. Every vertical needs to make their business more efficient. This gives the analytics and the tools to not only understand what associates are succeeding in what platform best, but what branch or location is uh, performing the best and what kinds of merchandise in each. So it's an optimization tool as well as sort of the uh, the, the reality of, of providing that experience that we described. It'll be really important as the market continues to scale, that customer expectations are met, and they're not met by always creating some new whiz-bang approach, but instead, they're met by consistently delivering on the expectation. And that's about having a platform of scale. It's about having a platform that can handle 
volume. And that can, at the end of the day, when you're on the other side, when you're the consumer, that it feels natural and scalable and, frankly, feels the same in terms of how you're treated online versus if you walk in the door. Absolutely. Absolutely. John, do you, do you think as we, as we you know, kind of hopefully get to a place where we're towards kind of the end of this pandemic and, and uh, again, people start to feel more comfortable going out and shopping and all that good stuff, do you think there's going to be an impact to all these online events that we've seen recently? And I think there's a concept of what you guys call a journey, virtual queuing. Can you explain your thoughts around uh, both of those aspects? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that some of these have an obvious application to the pandemic. And I think they'll stay in our toolkit, but I don't know that they will be as widely used. And virtual queuing, actually, you know, it is exactly what it says. You have an opportunity to get in line without getting there. You have an opportunity to stay in your car and be in line. And I think there's going to be a utility for that, but I don't think it'll be as pronounced post-pandemic. In terms of the role of appointments, again, we were seeing great momentum and great retailer differentiation for those who were deploying appointments well before the pandemic. I think this has accelerated that, and I don't expect that the kind of, of shopping which is purposeful rather than let's go shopping and have lunch, with the idea being let's just go shopping, that's fantastic, and that's part of the retail experience. But if, if you got a suit to go to a wedding in the Caribbean, if you're looking for something specific at a specific retailer, or frankly, if you're a guy like me that just doesn't really love shopping, the idea of getting it done in the highest caliber fashion with personalized attention, that's a huge value. And I think the idea that that would not be an ongoing significant channel belies what we've seen, the, that retailers embrace it and consumers love the advantages. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. John, as, as you think about, you know, uh, not to sound cliche here, but what are the ingredients that you would put in, uh, you know, if you're creating that uh, great in-location experience? Is there like a step-by-step of, of how you think about things? And I know each brand is going to be specific, right? But are there ingredients that you think make up a great in-location experience? Yeah. I, and, and the reality is that it all goes back to human interaction. You want to create something that's personal, that's relevant, and that adds value. So part of the appointment, and a really important part of the appointment, is the upfront information gathering or, or the, the journey template, as we call it, within our own platform. The more information that can be garnered there, the more you walk into a fitting room or you walk into a store and you have that perfect experience. And I guess the point is, there's a time and a place for algorithms. There's also a time and a place for you know, being declarative, saying what you as a consumer want and expect, and in so communicating in a clear way, those are the ingredients for the in-location experience that is memorable brand building and loyalty building. That was a wealth of information, John. Any, any last thoughts or things that I did not ask that you want our listeners to, to know about? No, I mean, I, I think that we have here at Journey... We've celebrated retail through the pandemic, before the pandemic, and certainly after the pandemic. And to imagine that retail wouldn't have been changed by these technologies 
uh, before the pandemic is unrealistic. To imagine that they would have been as supercharged as they have been because of the pandemic is equally unrealistic. And where we are right now is there are habits that consumers have formed via technology that they really like. And it behooves the retailer because the analytics come back and say, not only do the consumers like it, but by dint of that, they're buying more and they're return buying more. And that's a great formula for success as we think about brick and mortar being reborn. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. John, before I let you go, I know you're, uh, do I have this correct? You're in the Boston area. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Any, any uh, places that you'd recommend for people to visit if they, if they start traveling to the Boston area again? You know what? Please come, <laughs> please come visit us. We're a city that's growing like crazy and built for tourism. So whether you are in Boston proper, you go down to the islands off, off the Cape, you come up uh, through the North Shore, there's a lot to see. One of the things that is really exciting to see is the vibrancy of the retail scene here in Boston. So perhaps you mix in some of the traditional sightseeing with some great retail. That's awesome. Thanks again, John, for taking some time with us today. That was a wealth of information. I know our listeners will truly enjoy this episode here. So uh, thanks again for your time. My pleasure. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.